Welcome to the latest word from the church at Severn Run. Our church is located in Severn, Maryland, and is easily accessible from anywhere in the D.C. Baltimore area. You can subscribe for regular updates or check in weekly for the latest information by using our website, severinrun.com. Thank you for visiting. And now, today's message. All of the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, and the sea and everything that is in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through your ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle, and the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very in this very city because Herod Antipas and Pontius Pilate, the governor and the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything that they determined, everything that they did was determined beforehand, according to your will. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power and may many miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting room shook. It shook. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the word of God with boldness. What a great passage, huh? And who were these people? I mean, really, when you think about who were they, they were they, the audaciousness of their prayer was something that the world had never experienced before. It was way different than what anybody had ever experienced among the religious zealots. They had no need of priests, and they had no need of politicians to be able to meet their life's goals and challenges. They took it straight to the sovereign Lord. The creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. They recognized that the God to whom that they were making their request known was the God of history. He had controlled all of history. Nothing had ever happened without him giving his approval. And if he could do that, if he could control all of history, then he certainly could control all of their future. This is who they knew that they were praying to. They had called on him not to do what you and I typically would do because this was a group that was being persecuted. This was a group that because of their reliefs, they were being thrown into jail. This had just happened a couple of chapters earlier and previous to this. They were being thrown into jail. They were being uh, beaten. They were being tortured. This was a group that they did not pray for the annihilation of the people who were victimizing them. Brother, look what they prayed. They prayed that they would give that God would give them boldness in preaching and power 
to be able to do miraculous signs and wonders and power to actually be able to physically heal people. And all so that the name of Jesus could be made known. Now, I don't know about you, but I have seriously never prayed, dear Jesus, please give me the power to physically heal somebody. But according to what Scripture says, there's no reason why I shouldn't pray that prayer. I've never prayed, God, hey, listen, would you do me a favor and do a bunch of miraculous signs and wonders among us? Because under our modern way of thinking, you would look at me and say, he's crazy. Right? But according to their prayer, they had no problem praying this because they had seen this happen. They knew what the God of the universe, the O-sovereign God, was capable of. And they prayed that they could be able to do these things so that Jesus would be made known. And when they were finished with this prayer, I don't know if you've ever had this experience. I have not. When they finished praying, the ground shook. Some type of supernatural earthquake transpired. That's called serious prayer life right there, folks. And then they dispersed to do exactly what they had been told by the courts, literally by the nation's courts. They had been told, you can be whatever kind of 501c3 you want to be. You're going to be whatever nonprofit that you want to be. But whatever you do, don't you dare leave the court today and preach in the name of Jesus. Do whatever else you want to do. Feed the hungry. You know, be, start hospitals. Do all kinds of great things. Just whatever you do, don't do it in the name of Jesus. Does this sound like a crowd that went out and did that? Does this sound like a crowd that went out and obeyed those orders? They went out and Jesus was going to be first and foremost. And they began to preach in his name exactly what they had been told not to do. So here's the question for us. Who were these people? Were they unique? Were they special? Were they one-time only members of our planet that didn't set any precedent for us today? We really got to decide who they are. Because if we don't know who they are, then really this story in Scripture has no, it has no meaning to us today. It might help us by just kind of looking a little bit at their backstory. You see, it had been less than 100 days, less than 100 days from this prayer that happens in Acts chapter 4, that there was a self-proclaimed king that rode into the capital of the nation. He rode into the capital of the nation on a donkey. People in the countryside had heard about him and known about him for years. This was not his first time in the capital, but this time it was going to be unique. It was going to be different. He rode into the capital on this donkey. There was huge fanfare and people were waving palm leaves as they did in that time of day saying, hey, listen, this is a king. This is an important individual. And even people from the countryside who had already seen him do some pretty incredible healings, who had already heard him teach the philosophy of this kingdom that he was supposedly bringing to the world that he was in at the time, They were there as well as people from the capital had joined. And there was, again, just a lot of fanfare. It was an exciting moment. It was a great time to be there. And 
the problem was that this week was not going to end as everybody expected with the way that it began. Because it was exciting, it was neat, it was something to be a part of. But as the week unfolded, he would do exactly what he had done throughout the entire countryside. He would heal people and he would teach more of his kingdom philosophy. But then there was just this moment that kind of changed everything pretty radically. He walked in to the temple area, the religious area of the capital. And this was a, this was a country in which there was no separation of church and state. Church was state and state was church and it was all combined together. And so he walks in to the religious area of this capital and he notices something that he does not like. He notices that there is a bunch of greedy people involved. Because you see, this was the time of year when everybody came to the capital city and they offer sacrifices to God. And their sacrifices were in the forms of lamb and sheep, and they were in the forms of pigeons and doves, and they were in the forms of bulls. And they would offer what was the most important things in their life as a sacrifice to him because in an agricultural society, I got news for you, you don't want to give up your best sheep. You don't want to give up your best bull, if you know what I'm saying. And so... As people would arrive, they were traveling from all over the country, and many of them did not want to be able to travel with what was required of them to sacrifice, so they would save up their money throughout the year in order to arrive at this place, and then they would just go ahead and buy their bull or their dove or their pigeon in the room from the people that were selling them to them. But here's what, Je- here's what Jesus, here's what this king noticed. He noticed that these prices were really jacked up. And that the guys that were standing in this room, they were taking full advantage of those who had come to give sacrifice and to worship to their God. And at this point, he became angry. And for all of you who have heard the wonderful stories of King Jesus, um, we often forget that he walked over in a corner and he literally braided one of these bad boys. Huh? Now, when somebody starts carrying this into a meeting, they're getting serious. Am I right? Jesus carries this into the temple area, and uh, after he braids it, he goes haywire. He starts knocking over tables. Just imagine if you did this in Anne Arundel Ball. Wouldn't go well, would it? That's called getting arrested. Jesus starts kicking over tables. He starts getting mad. He starts getting angry. He starts like throwing the whip around, which I will not do because I would smack myself in the face and it would hurt. But he is putting a stop to the greed that is transpiring. Here is the craziest part of it. You know what? You want to know how to get yourself killed? You want to know how to make people not like you? You want to know how to be a pastor of a church and make sure that nobody ever wants to come back? Talk about money. Ouch. Huh? And I know over the course of the past few weeks as we've been on this road, on the road campaign, there's many of you that you've probably felt a little uncomfortable. Our church is talking about money a lot. Well, Jesus obviously thought it was pretty important. Jesus obviously thought that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where you put your money is kind of where you put your mouth. 
when it's all said and done. And Jesus recognized that these people were not putting um, God in front of their money. They were putting money in front of their God. And he was looking and saying, there is enough to this. I will not stand for it. It is not okay. If you tell me, hey, listen, I don't like a church that, doesn't talk, that, that talks about money, here's what I'll go ahead and tell you. Do me a favor. Go back and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read the story of Jesus in four different times in four different ways. And then tell me that the church of the living God shouldn't talk about money because he sure did a whole lot, a whole lot because money is never about money. Money is about the heart. And Jesus walked into this room and he recognized that the heart of this particular room that he was in was wicked. It was taking advantage of the poor and the underprivileged. It was taking advantage of the people that truly wanted to worship him and he was done with it. And do you know what happens when you start messing with the economic system of a person's lives? Seriously, you know what happens? You get crucified. By the time this week is over, they're done with this. It's fine if you want to challenge us on any other area, but we will not be challenged here. You do not have the right to to walk in and mess up our economic system. You do not have the right to walk in and, and fool around with our checkbook. And as a result, when it's all said and done, as the week progresses, they put him on a cross in the most torturous death that, quite frankly, human beings have ever come up with. They didn't just use a whip. They used a cat of nine tails. And then they took him off the cross and they stuck him in a grave and the thing is done. It's over. We don't have to worry about that guy anymore. He's not going to mess with us. All of his followers, they kind of dispersed. They went into other parts of the countryside. They went back home after this entire thing was over. Many of them had believed that he would be the king, uh, the next ruler of the nation of Israel, but they had given up their hopes at this point, and they probably, most of them, had given up the idea that it would ever happen in their lifetime. His 11 closest followers, he used to have 12, but one of them had betrayed him and had, as a result, um, killed himself, and he had 11 of them. And they were found themselves in the upper room, cowered down like a bunch of little, scared four-year-old girls. Nothing wrong with four-year-old girls being scared. I've got one. That's why I use it as an example. They're scared. They're afraid. They just know that what they've just seen their Jesus go through is going to be what happens to them next. And so they're terrified. And on day three, the ladies get up and they are like, hey, guys, I don't know why you guys are hunkered down, you bunch of scaredy cats, because got news for you. Women in the story are the ones with the courage. Let's, let's hear it, ladies. The guys are scared, but their women are the ones with some courage, and they don't care. And so they get up, and they decide that they're going to go ahead, and they are going to do what it is that they've always done upon a death, and they are in their customary way going to go down and prepare the body. But when they get down to the grave, they discover that there's a problem with preparing the body. The body is not there. I don't think you heard me. The body was not there. Yeah. It was gone. That changes things, doesn't it? Because if not, he was just some guy that died and tried to lead a political revolution. But the fact that he's not there, that is something different. In fact, that is something different that all the scaredy cat guys actually come out of the room. They come out of the room and over the course of the next few weeks, this king, Jesus, begins to appear 
to them in many different situations. And as a result, they began to form an allegiance and a bravery and a courage that they had never experienced before. They decide now that this is the King of Kings, this is the Lord of Lords, and it totally changes all of their perspective. They begin to realize that they had missed the point of his kingdom teachings and that his ambitions were way greater than just being the king over a little tiny small plot of land called Israel. They recognized that what he really had been there to do was to change the hearts and minds of every man and woman and boy and girl on the planet from that time forward and forevermore. Now that's a king. Not just one that gets your vote, but one that changes your heart. That's what he was set out to do. And these guys, these few guys, they got so excited about this that they actually started to do something about it. And when he left the planet, he looked at them and he said, guys, here's what I want you to do. You've seen the story. You've been a part of me. I want you now to go and I want you to tell the story for the rest of your lives or until I come back. Whichever one comes first, that's what I want you to do. And they began to do it. People like Peter and John. And it won't be very long after this happens, after he leaves the planet It won't be very long until 2,000 people in one day listened to the boldness of Peter and John who had been hunkered down, who had been scared. But now they're preaching Jesus. And 2,000 people in one day become and experience life change. They They bow their knee to the king and they join the kingdom. So who were they? Who were these people then that were able to pray this type of prayer, that had seen this type of man? Who were they? Are they any different than you and I are sitting here today? Well, Peter and John, before this whole thing had started, and they gave the first message that brought the first 2,000 people into the kingdom, Peter and John had been nothing more than fishermen. But then if you went ahead and you looked at it and you decided by modern polling standards to look at 2,000 people and say, let's poll you guys and see who you are, I'm willing to bet that what you would discover is that in that group, there were government officials because this was the capital of the country. In case you haven't noticed, we live really close to ours. There were government officials, there were lawyers, and there were doctors that were part of this group. There were religious practitioners, and there were civil servants, and there were working class folks, and there were even people that were poor. I say all that to say, do you know who these people were? These people were folks that shared our own successes. Their successes were our successes. They're just like us because as I describe that, I probably hit somebody in this room this entire time, haven't I? You probably belong to, to one of them. Their successes were our successes. Their failures, they're our failures. Their hopes and their dreams are our hopes and they are our dreams. Their fears and their nightmares, guess what? They are our fears and they are our nightmares. In short, those first 2,000 people, that were followers of Jesus Christ, the people that shook the room, they are people just like us. They are 
us. Say that with me. They are us. Now, some of you didn't believe it. Say it with me again. They are us. They're us. So does that mean that we could actually pray the type of prayer that they prayed? That we could actually call down the entire unbelievable authority of heaven? Does that mean that we could shake the walls with our prayers? Does that mean that because of what we do as the church of Severin Run, that we could see millions, if not billions, since that time have come to follow Jesus Christ and have their eternal lives changed? Does that mean that we could do it also? Does it mean we could do it also, church? It does mean that. That's exactly what it means. We are no different than what they are. Well, you say, what is it that they had? What is it that they had that maybe, maybe we do or we don't? Well, I provided that for you. I was nice enough to do that. It's inside of your worship notes. Open up your worship notes, and you're going to find a checklist. And we're just going to go through it real quick because this is what the early church had. This is what they had, and we need to determine as a church and as a people if we also have the exact same things. Here's what they had. Here's what they believed that allowed them to absolutely, fundamentally change the world. And if we're going to change the world, then we've got to have this too, and we've got to believe it as deeply as they did. Here's the first thing. They believed that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm going to go ahead and mark that box myself. I do too. If you believe it, mark it. They believe that he physically came to this planet to show us a better way than our current broken way of doing things. I do too. Do you? They believe that Jesus died. And as a result of and on behalf of our ignorance and our pride and our sin. That's the reason why he died. I believe, I believe it. I hope you do too. They believe that he bodily and physically arose on the third day from the grave. And guess what? I do too. They believed he bodily and physically ascended into heaven and that someday he is coming back again. Guess what? I do too. How about you? They believe that he's left us on a mission to share his story with the whole world until we draw our last breath or until he comes back again. Whichever one which may come first, I believe it too. They believe that this was best done by telling his story and sharing his love with everyone. And guess what? I do too. Now, there's some of you, you might be sitting in here today, and you're like, hey, I didn't check any of those boxes because this is crazy town, the stuff I've heard. The stuff I've heard in here today is the fact that, man, you believe in a guy uh, that, 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 that came from heaven and that died, and you actually believe he rose again with his own body and, like, he's alive today, and... This is crazy town. You're telling me stories today about people who quote unquote prayed and as a result wall shook. And you're thinking, Dick, you might be a little bit nuts. And I might be. Many people have said that before. It's okay. But I will just tell you this. If you're having a hard time believing that, I've been there where you are. I too have had a hard time believing that. Seriously. Seriously. 
struggled through it for a lot of years. But there's something that I cannot argue against. When I look around this room, there are hundreds, hundreds of lives that have been changed by this incredible, unbelievable story. And I will just say this, if you're sitting here today and you say, hey, listen, I can't, I can't check the box of I do too, that's okay. Keep coming back. Keep listening to these stories. Keep seeing that there really is something to them. And keep, most of all importantly, keep watching the lives of the people that are in this room with you. Because over time, you're going to discover you cannot deny the power of the resurrected Jesus. Yeah. And I'm going to believe that for you. And for those that are here today and you can check off IOD2, well then, fantastic. Because I want you to look, when you believe that, when you truly believe that, I want you to look what the conclusions come out to be. It says this in Scripture in Acts 4, All the believers were united in heart and mind. There was no relational poverty. There was no lonely people that were involved in this particular group. They were all united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything that they had. And folks, this was not some kind of like political thing that was going on. This was not some government looking and saying, hey, listen, we're going to take everything you've got and we're going to redistribute it equally among everybody else. That's not what's happening. These people were so crazy. I mean that. They were so crazy. That they were literally giving up everything that they had and then redistributing it so that nobody else had need inside of their community. Oh, my goodness. And the apostles, they testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. And there, this is one of the most remarkable statements in this entire chapter to me. Listen to this statement. There were no needy people among them. None. Zero. Nada. This does not mean that they were all driving around in Mercedes Benz. This does not mean, and dear Jesus, please someday let me drive a Porsche 911 Carrera. Dear Jesus, please someday let me own one. But this does not mean that they were all driving that. Right? This means that there were no needs. Nobody went without a meal in their community. Nobody was trying to figure out how to make sure the electric got paid, BGE got paid in their community. Their needs were being met Every single one of them. This was an entire community. By the time this story is over, of 5,000 worshiping together, and none of them had a need. That's called crazy town. And they were united in heart and mind, and they had a solid purpose like our own. Because I don't know if you know it, but I know that many of you do. We've got a pretty serious, solid purpose here at the Church of Seven Rock. It is to reach as many people as possible. By creatively revealing the love of the Father through the life of the Son in the power of the Spirit. You've heard our pastor say it over and over and over again. And when I read what our vision mission statement says, I got news for you. That looks a whole lot like that group back in Acts chapter 4, doesn't it? That's what we're about. They were united to do just that. 
Nothing more, nothing less. They realized that God had not placed them on the planet to acquire more stuff or to build more wealth. It wasn't about their 401k. This was about the fact that they knew life was about a relationship with God and it was about a relationship with others. Nothing more, nothing less. They became a true community with no one in need among them. And here's what they wore truly more than anything else in the world. Here's what they wore. They got on the road with Jesus. These were not people that went into a classroom and tried to learn as much as they possibly could. And 20 years later would decide to go out and share their faith story of Jesus with somebody else. These were people that from day one, they got out on the road, they followed after Jesus, they ran into as many unbelievers as they possibly could, and they met their needs and they shared their story, their Jesus story. They got on the road, folks. They are no different than you and I, right? Because you know what the Church of Seven Run is doing today? We're getting on the road. This entire talk that we've been having over the course of the past six, seven weeks, or whatever it may have been, it has not been about money. It has been about getting on the road for Jesus. It has been about us becoming a worshiping community of 5,000 people because Jesus' passion was that every man, woman, boy, and girl, from the time that he left the planet Earth, from the time that he was crucified, would never again experience loneliness, would never again experience the destructive element that this world has to offer. It was something more than that. We can finish what they started. Don't you believe that, church? And if he comes back next week, praise God, he comes back next week. But if he comes back 2,000 years from now, let it be said that a billion more people came to him because of what happened in this place when the church at Severn Run got on the road. So I'm going to ask you to do something today. Two things. So I'm going to pray in just a moment. But a couple of weeks ago, we started talking about, we gave you $5 just to get started, just to get us the resources to pack our bags to, to begin this journey. And many of you have been out there working. You've been doing all kinds of stuff. And we're going to be gathering your stories over the course of the next few weeks because we want to tell those. Some of you guys have been doing some amazing things in order to make that kingdom investment. But today is the day you're bringing back those resources. We're packing our bags, our suitcases, and we've got those available to you right down front. And in just a moment after I pray, I'm going to ask you to come forward and just bring that, those, those monies, those resources, those things that God has spoken to you about, and just place them right there in those suitcases. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, listen, if those suitcases, if we fill up those suitcases, that's okay. We've got more. It's fine. But I want you to do that, but I also want you to do this. If you were able to sit there today and, and, and mark that, I do too, would you do me a favor? Would you bring those down and put it? Because I got news for you. Your faith statement is as big and way more important than any money you'll ever put in a suitcase. Your faith statement is what's going to get it done. And so I'm going to ask you today, too, that if you're able to be like one of those early Christ followers was, and you're willing to put that in one of these suitcases, 
when we're done praying, you bring your resources down, you bring those monies down, and you bring that faith statement down, and you put it there. And the final thing that I would say is many of you have been praying over the course of weeks, and you already know now what God has called you to do in the first stage of your commitment to the On the Road campaign. Bring the card down and put it in there too. Today's one of those days we're just going to give it all up for him. What do you say, church? Every bit of it. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And let's pray. And then let's give the greatest offering that we've ever given to the God who deserves it more than anyone. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have not called us to just sit by. You have not called us to be passive. You have called us not to sit in a classroom, but you have called us to be on the road. God, may we be on the road exactly like you were when you walked this planet. It does not matter if that road leads us to Calvary because we ultimately know no matter what sacrifice we make that the final road leads us to the resurrection. So Jesus, today we pray that you will move us in that way, that we will give deeply and we will give honestly. God, that we will look and say that we want to be that church. We want to finish what they started. And we want to be the place where the walls shake again. For your honor and for your glory alone, in Jesus' name we pray today. Amen. Thank you for joining us today at the Church at Severn Run. Please visit our website at severnrun.com for church service information, staff directories, or for prayer requests. And if you're in the D.C. Baltimore area, we'd love to have you join us at 8187 Telegraph Road in Severn, Maryland. We look forward to worshiping with you.